0: Adam Crowley show. I'm much than the fan. not On ESPN Pittsburgh and the iHeartRadio app. Two and a half weeks ago, I put up a Twitter poll that asked, which team's gonna finish with the better record? The Dodgers or the Pirates? Well, last night the Dodgers entered the game at 29 and 30. The Pirates entered the game at 30-29. and They're like two ships passing in the night. They're like two trains going by one another as the Dodgers head towards the playoffs and the Pirates head towards wherever the hell the Pirates are going to wind up. you found the Crowley Show where your mom listens, and you should too. 412-922-2874 is the number to call, or you can join the cast of dozens and follow me on Twitter at underscore Adam Crowley. Back to the Pirates in a few minutes, but Ryan Shazier spoke to the media really for the first time today since his injury and his recovery, and Ryan Shazier said that if there were 100 days, 95 of them were good. He said there were a couple that weren't so good, and there were three that were eh. I was listening to a national show earlier today, and they were discussing Ryan Shazier, and one of the broadcasters had the gall to say, They know what they're getting into. They know what they're getting into when they play in the National Football League, when they're playing at the collegiate level, when they're playing in high school. They know what they're getting into, these football players. And no, they don't. Nobody signs up thinking that they can be Ryan Shazier. God bless him. I hope he plays football again. Doesn't look likely to me. But nobody, no player that has ever played the game thinks that they're going to be walking with a cane before the age of 30. Nobody. Not one of them. They don't know what they're signing up for because they don't know that they're signing up for that in some instances. Anybody who says that, completely out of touch. A lot of the players from the 80s and the 90s didn't know at all what they were signing up for. Now you hear about CTE, but here's the deal. Nobody knows... Or thinks that it's going to be them. You always think it's the guy next to you. You always think it's going to happen to somebody on the other team. You never think about that. You think about, yeah, maybe I could break my leg. Maybe I could tear my ACL. ah, eh, concussions, but maybe one or two. It's not that bad. But you don't think about paralysis. You don't think about your life taking that kind of turn when you're in the prime of your physical career and physical life. Nobody thinks that way. Nobody. There was a car that drove through a building today in Washington Health System and killed a woman. The driver of the car never knew that was going to happen. The person in there never knew that was going to happen. Every time I get behind the wheel of the car, I don't think, oh, this is it. I'm going to die. But yet people die every single way on the roadways, every single day on the roadways. You don't think it's going to be you. You don't know what you're signing up for. And maybe Ryan Shazier will allow children, will allow mothers and fathers to say, maybe we don't want our kids signing up for that. Football's not evil, but football's not going to change. Ryan Shazier talked about how maybe he should have kept his head up on the tackle. You can't get that out of the game of football. You're going to make physical mistakes. I'm a tremendous skater. Okay, I'm not. But even the best skaters fall down. National hockey players lose it on the ice all the time. Football players tackle with poor technique all the time because you're in a situation where you don't have time to think. The game's never changing. It's not. And when it does, maybe the game won't be played anymore. But as long as the game is played, it's going to be a violent game. Players know that. But they don't know that one of the possible outcomes, they don't know that one of the possible truths is winding up like Ryan Shazier. And maybe after today, they do. Four one two nine two 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 eight seven four. The high for today is 65 degrees, which prompted my wife to wear a sweatshirt to work. If it was 66 degrees in December, she might not wear pants. In 2005, the Pirates were 30 and 30. After an 18 to two drubbing of the Tampa Bay Devil Rays, it was the last day that year that they were at 500. They weren't a good baseball team. In fact, Humberto Cota, Gazunite, hit a ball into the bullpen. So you know they weren't good because Cota was like a 56 rating on MVP Baseball in 2004. But that was awesome. Pirates went on to get crushed by the Yankees in a doubleheader the next day. The umps blew a double play call that would have given the Pirates a win. Then Jason Giambi hit one 500 feet into the right field seats at old Yankee Stadium. That loss hurt. It was bad. I was a young man who had never seen a winning baseball team in my life to that point. That team being 30 and 30 was like the freak show team in 1997 being a accidental contender. It had the town jacked up for a little bit, or me at the very least. I was amped. I had my Jack Wilson pinstripe jersey on all day, all night. I wore that thing to sleep. Because of the long-time futility of the Pittsburgh Pirates, 30-30 and was great. The only goal at that point was to get to 500. Dave Littlefield wanted to bring in players to only get to 500, and then they hoped to build off that. Players were brought in to reach mediocrity it was a ridiculous way to run a ball club but he did it anyway so 30 and 30 felt great just like 65 degrees in the middle of december but it's june now and 65 degrees kind of feels like crap after 2013 and we saw what good baseball looked like 30 and 30 didn't feel like an accomplishment anymore and by the way the team got here by losing 13 of the last seventeen doesn't make this feel like an accomplishment. That being said, this is what we thought the Pirates were going to be. But they dangled the dream and took it away. This is why I told you never to buy into this team in the first place. They were always going to let you down. When you fall in love with a woman who's a known cheater, you're an idiot. Once a cheater, always a cheater. She's going to bone the mailman, and you're going to cry on your porch, and your friends are all going to snicker behind your back and say, I told you so, Johnny. Well, I told you so, Johnny. Now the same Pirates apologists are going to rally the troops and say, going 500 is special when you've got a team that's this young. No. Going 500 through 60 games was special in 2005. It was an oasis in the middle of the desert called Pirates Baseball. But in 2018, being 500 is like a slap in the face, given that they could have added to the team instead of subtracted. I'm not surprised the Pirates stink again. But if you are, then you didn't heed my warning early in the season. To quote LeBron James, be better tomorrow. Lance DK DKPittsburghSports.com, going to join me in about 12 minutes here on the Crowley Show. Game 5 in the Stanley Cup Finals tomorrow night. Washington's up 3-1. Only a couple of games have been competitive, so the series has lost all its jelly beans. What are the best rivalries in sports? Duke, North Carolina, Michigan, Ohio State, Auburn, Alabama, Red Sox, Yankees, Steelers, Ravens, eh, I might be biased there, Canadians, Bruins. What do they all have in common? Both teams have won championships. Pitt and West Virginia hate each other, but that's a regional rivalry. It means as much to me as the others do to their fans, but it's regional. Why? Because no success for the programs on the national scale. And please, Tom, spare me the Pitts won nine national championships thing. Championships and success make rivalries better. The Ravens won in 2000 and in 2010. If they didn't, Do you think the Steelers or their fans give a rip about that expansion team? No. Do you think the country cares? No. Would Magic Bird have been as interesting had both not won championships? Maybe, but not as interesting. I don't want to watch the Capitals win the Stanley Cup because I'm a Penguins fan, and I don't want to see a rival be successful. But it absolutely adds to the rivalry. The Penguins have beat the Capitals en route to all of their Cup championships. If the Capitals win, then the same will be true for them. They'd have beat the Penguins every time. That's a little dig at Washington because they've, you know, only won it once. You don't think it adds big-time juice to the fire if next year in the playoffs the Penguins and the Capitals meet in the second round and it's a matchup between the teams that have won the last three championships? Hello? Finally, Ovechkin's going to have a leg to stand on in the Crosby conversation. Finally, he's not just the goal scorer, but he's the captain that led his team finally to the promised land. You don't think that adds intrigue? It absolutely does, and it adds a storyline for the casual fan. Another reason to flip on the game. I watch every Duke and North Carolina basketball game. I don't have a rooting interest. Why do I watch it? Because you watch the hate flow through them, baby. And they've been successful. I watch every Michigan-Ohio State game. I watch Celtics-Lakers, Bama-Auburn, Texas-Oklahoma. I don't watch Iowa State and Iowa. I don't watch a civil war between Oregon and Oregon State. I want to see championship pedigree on both sides. The Capitals winning the Cup this year takes this rivalry to a whole new height. Flyers haven't won since 1975. I hate them more than any other team, but they aren't a threat to hold the Cup. The Capitals are. And I hate to see it, but isn't that kind of the point? Brian Metzer joins us at 520. We were talking a little bit earlier about Ryan Shazier He's obviously not going to play for the Steelers this year. Mark Madden, our cohort, he works downstairs. He said the Steelers' defense can't win the Super Bowl because it's that bad. I think the defense can improve. I tend to agree that that's the weak point of the team. I tend to think it's not championship caliber, but here's how it can be. Artie Burns, Sean Davis, Javon Hargrave, TJ Watt, get a couple of those guys to improve. TJ should. It's his second year. Artie should. It's his third year. They all should. Morgan Burnett's better than Mike Mitchell, so you expect that to be a net positive. And Boston can help the run defense. He's a good run-stopping tackler. Matakiewicz is a better run-stopper than Sean Spence and the other bumpkins they had in there last year. Stefan Tuitt could continue his upward ascent. He could become what Cam Hayward has been. Maybe not all-pro Pro Bowl, but maybe that next step below. Steelers have a lot of talent, a lot of first, second, third round picks on this defense. It's not like that's the problem. The problem's not that they're devoid of talent. The problem has been that they're too young and they didn't communicate well enough. If Morgan Burnett is better on the back end than Mike Mitchell, then you got something there. If Cam Sutton can come in and play the way that you think he can and you're trying to find a place for him, then you're going to be better on the back end. If Terrell Edmonds is the first-round talent that you think he is, then he's better than not having a first-round pedigree talent before. He's better than having a William Gay who can't run faster than I can. I do think the Steelers' defense isn't great. But it can be good enough for the Steelers' offense to carry them to the promised land. Speaking of the NFL, Trump ain't ever going to stop, yo. And the only people who seem not to know this are NFL owners. How could they not see this situation coming? How could they not see the president's tweet storm coming? How did they not know that this was going to be the outcome? Once and for all, and this is coming from somebody who would like to see the players be able to protest, the NFL needs to decide whether they really want to placate the president or stick up for its players. This pussy footin' around ain't working. That's not the way you handle things. You either say, yo, we're the NBA, and you ain't standing. Or you say, we respect our players' right to protest, and we're going to allow them to do it. One way or the other. You go with one side, or you go with the other. You either say, President, you're right. These guys are a bunch of unpatriotic jackals. Or you say, these players have every right to do what they're doing. We're going to allow the C- in the CBA them to do that. And then you wait and see what the president does. But standing in between, riding that fence, having the chain link up your butt crack, that did not do anything. The league's still getting flack from the president, and they're getting flack from libs like me. Spoiler alert. I'm a lib. Snowflake alert. They're getting flack from both sides now. Players are pissed. Trump's pissed. The White House is sending out statements. It's a disaster. Don't alienate everyone, alienate half the people. That's my motto. Don't make everyone mad, just make less people mad. Coming up next, Lance Lajzowski of DKPittsburghSports.com is down in Bradenton. Why? Because Jung Ho Gung talked to reporters for the first time since coming back to America. They should make a sequel. Coming to America too. the Jung Ho Gung story. He's fat now. Not Lance, but Jung-ho. We'll talk to him about that and the Pirates and Dodgers that are two ships going different directions in the night. It's a Crowley show. Over the past year, we've been thinking a lot about how we got to where we are now because somewhere along the way, we lost our way. So at Wells Fargo, we're recommitting ourselves to our customers. We've eliminated product sales goals for retail bankers who serve customers in branches and call centers, so we can focus on what matters most:
1: your satisfaction. Wells Fargo, established 1852, re-established 2018. Wells Fargo Bank NA, member of
0: FDIC.
2: How the hell do you get fat in Korea? Barbecue. you just munching that stuff. Over I think and over. you have to be. Oh, yeah, and drinking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well.
0: A lot of calories for the. Uh... But
2: he should be walking a lot, right? No, <laughs> he strikes
0: out too much. <laughs> Jung Ho Gong is back! Well, in the States. And apparently he's fat! Lance Lysowski, DKPittsburghSports.com, joins us now on the show to talk a little bit about Jung Ho and about the Pirates' recent struggles. Uh, Lance, is Jung Ho, in fact, putting on some
1: weight? No, he's not. That was a flattering photo that was posted on social media last night. He actually looks exactly the same. Man, hasn't changed much. Damn it,
0: I was really looking forward to asking him about what he was eating to get so chunky, but now
1: I suppose we're going to have to leave that one to the side. Well, that could have been a nice, uh, lighthearted question to start the twenty minutes or so that you talked today, Adam. I should have thought of that earlier.
0: Yeah, you should. Have. And I thought you were fat. Now you're not. You uh, you would have made him laugh, or at least his translator would have made him laugh. But regardless, what did he say? I mean, how was he talking about how sorry he was for the three DUIs? Was he talking about the the whole journey back? Uh, what, tell what stood out to you from the interview.
1: There was that, and he said that he stopped drinking, which is. I guess news in and in, 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 in of itself, because obviously three DUI convictions. He took responsibility for not informing the Pirates and his team and the KBO of the first two DUI convictions, which is a pretty big offense uh, after all. And he just kind of summed up what he went through the last few months. Um, didn't really focus a whole lot on baseball. I mean, most of the questions we asked, the five or so of us who were down here was just, About the drinking, about his behavior off the field, what he plans to do to to kind of fix things. And uh, the one thing that also stood out was the fact that he said that kind of making every making this up to Pirates fans is the reason why he wanted to come back to the United States. Because I mean, after all, guy, I mean Adam, he could go and play in Korea and still make really good money. They still own his rights, so he didn't necessarily have to come back. But now he's saying he's doing it for the people.
0: Yeah, I don't buy it. Lance Lozowski, TKVinxburgSports.com, joining us here on the Crowley Show. What's the road look like for him to get back? How long is it going to be? What's the Pirates' plan there?
1: Well, to be honest, Adam, I thought it was going to be a very long road, but it might not be that long after all. Um, He's doing really well in the Florida State League. He's seeing some some nice velocity, some young arms who can can throw, you know, in the mid-to-upper 90s sometimes. But there's still the question of can he hit breaking pitches. He's probably not going to see enough good ones here. So he might require another stint, maybe a triple-A, double-A, it all depends. But look at the pirate situation. Um, With how well he's hitting, why not kind of take a chance on him? Sean Rodriguez hasn't been valuable in the field or at the plate. Jung Ho-Gung's playing some shortstop here to possibly allow himself to maybe play that position if called upon in the major league. I think at this point, with the way the Pirates are kind of the way they're looking offensively, I, I would give Jung Ho maybe a week in AAA after this, and then you call him up because you have to figure out, can he still hit in the major leagues? Right now, it's all about game shape. Can, can he play back-to-back games? But, hey, and eventually, he wouldn't have to do that.
0: Poor Sean Rodriguez. I, I feel bad for him. I, I really do. Uh, he has not been the same player since that car accident, and he hasn't been playing well in the field. You'll go through your struggles at the plate. He's never been the highest on base kind of guy, um, but I wonder if that had any effect on it. I wonder if it just increased the aging process. It's not his fault he continues to be put in the lineup, and if you don't got it anymore, then I guess you don't got it anymore.
1: Yeah, I think it's the swing. Uh, the shoulder surgery really negatively impacted his swing, and when you're pressing, which I'm sure he is, that affects pitch selection, and it seems like his struggles at the plate are carrying over the field, which... Isn't good, Adam, because they can get pretty much the same exact player in, let's say, Max Moroff for a much cheaper price. Max Moroff can, he can hit 200 and be a, a, a better defender than Sean Rodriguez is right now. And it's not like they need Rodriguez in the outfield with Meadows up and, hey, even Adam Frazier can play some corner outfields. Do you see him as a DFA possibility? I do. I do. I don't think, I don't know how much longer you can continue rolling with him because you, you need to be able to give, I, I don't blame Clint Hurdle at all for giving Jordy Mercer days off or, being more flexible with the days off he gives his team, you have to do that in Major League Baseball nowadays. The problem is, though, that he doesn't have a capable player to slot in, especially at shortstop. Josh Harrison hasn't played that position in 2014, so I'm sick of hearing people say that he should play there. Yeah. Adam Frazier can't play shortstop, so they need somebody, and honestly, Max Moroff might be the better option at this point, and I think this team, with the veterans they have in that clubhouse, they would understand that, yeah, Sean Rodriguez is a good guy, he's He's a leader, but it all comes down to winning, and you can't see your season slipping away by putting a guy out there struggling as badly as he is. He's costing two games in in St. Louis.
0: Lance Lysowski joining us here on the Crowley Show. A couple of weeks ago we put up on the Twitter poll who's going to finish with a better record, the Los Angeles Dodgers or the Pittsburgh Pirates. And last night, two trains passing by one another in the night. Uh, as they now have the exact same record and you just know where this is going. I thought the Pirates had a legitimate chance to get to 30 wins in short order when they had that stretch against terrible teams. They had the Padres, they had the White Sox, they had the Reds. I said, go six and three, then you're 29 and 20. You go seven and two and you're 30 and 19. You're going to be in this thing for a long time. And well, we know that didn't happen.
1: Why did the wheels all fall off here? Well, the bullpen's a mess, and I think we all kind of saw the writing on the wall there. They they really put they really put all their eggs in George Contest's basket. When that didn't work out, they didn't have a reliable eighth inning guy. Michael Fleas was bad for the Astros last year. He's bad again this year. He only has one pitch. That aside, before, when they were winning, the Pirates had a number of guys who were hot, and they were able to make up for Josh Bell not hitting or Gregory Plonka not hitting. But everybody's gone cold at once, and they need somebody to pick up this offense and drive in some runs. And when they have people on base, because they've had opportunities over the past two weeks at it, they just aren't able to capitalize. And the regression of Josh Bell might be the most troubling development about the Pirates this year. I mean, everybody saw him taking that next step forward this year with better plate discipline. He was talking about driving in 100 runs. He's not even going to come close to that at this rate. And his at bats just aren't good. I mean, it's ugly, the swings and misses that he's taking. And the Pirates need to fix that quick. or They have no chance.
0: What do you think the problem is with Josh?
1: Well, when I uh, when, when you ask around, everybody says it's timing, but it's it's, it's more than timing. There's mechanical things. In His swing is very ugly right now. It's terrible. I mean, he's taken the ugliest swings and mitches I've seen in the major leagues in a while. I mean, it's worse than Gregory Polanco, in my opinion. And right now, I don't know why they don't just give him a couple of days off here. They're just to figure some things out. Because, that honestly, that's the plan. It seems to work for the Pirates. Whenever they give a guy two days off, uh, he kind of snaps out of it. Polanco did it, uh, for at least a little bit till he went back on the bench and then obviously Andrew McCutcheon was able to figure things out after a couple days off last year.
0: What's the deal with Meadows in terms of him being here? Is he gonna be here for good? What's the super two status? Is, is he gonna be around?
1: I think he'll be around. I don't I think they can't send him down right no. now. He he's he's hitting and they're still losing games. So how bad is it gonna be when they send a guy down who's <laughs> hitting, you know, almost over 400, it doesn't make any sense. They can't rely on Gregory Polanco. They can't rely on Corey Dickerson or, or even Sterling Marte to play every day. You consider Marte missed 80 games last year. Dickerson's never played more than 105 games in the outfield. There's going to be playing time for Austin Meadows. It's going to be at all three spots. And right now, I think he needs to get more starts over Gregory Polanco. And, hey, he might even have to spell Dickerson because Dickerson just hasn't been as hot lately, and he tends to go into these cold streaks.
0: Vasquez pitched well last night. It, are they, they were worried about him tipping pitches. Uh, I suppose that they think he fixed that?
1: Well, uh, I don't think so because I think he, he reverts back to bad, to bad habits in high-leverage situations. You know, it's kind of easier for a guy like that to come in when you're losing and just kind of, okay, breathe slowly mm-hmm. and figure it out. But what happens when you're playing a team, one-run lead, they get a run-around basically off the inning. You look at his last couple of blown saves at him, he just kind of unravels after one thing doesn't go his way. That's when the delivery gets out of whack. That's when he starts tipping his pitches. So uh, I, I don't buy it yet. And he, he needs to do it in a situation that actually matters.
0: Uh, that's a really good point. What about Glass now in more high-leverage situations? We are starting to see that a little bit more lately. Uh, I like what we're seeing out of him now. He seems to have settled down a lot.
1: He's not consistent enough yet, Adam. I mean, he comes in last night and allows a home run to Cody Bellinger. And, you know, the fastball just doesn't have that consistent cutting action. When he gets that going, it's a very good pitch. It's going to create weak contact. It's going to get ground balls. But guys can hit high velocity. High velocity is one thing. But he needs to put it all together, and he needs to find that second and third breaking pitch consistently. And I don't think there's anything wrong with keeping him in this role right now. There's value to having a bridge guy. Um, Teams across the league are looking for a guy who can throw multiple innings, and the Pirates have two of them who have been pretty good in that role. The problem is they don't have anybody in the back end, so now naturally everybody wants to push them into a different role, and I just don't think it's a good fit yet, maybe down the road, because I don't think he's a starting pitcher long-term.
0: What did you think about Musgrove last night? Uh, not as good as the first two appearances, but he gives him a chance to win.
1: Yeah, that's that's actually the best way to put it, because uh, he, he has the weapons, but he doesn't have – The one thing about him, he's got five pitches, so if one or two of them aren't working, he has other things to turn to. That's what what kind of separates him from, let's say, Trevor Williams. If Trevor Williams doesn't have one of his two fastballs, he's in trouble because he doesn't have the breaking pitches that somebody like Musgrove has. Plus, just the way he pitches. I mean, he he looks like – Musgrove looks like he has that ace mentality a little bit, and the Pirates only have one of those guys that seem to have those traits. and obviously that's James Kyle.
0: Trade deadline is seven weeks away. Woo! Who's getting – traded i'm not going to ask you that question but who are some options and uh, i mean how hard would it be to pry a guy like josh harrison away i I assume they'll be shopping him a lot
1: well okay let's say hypothetically if they sell they're they're going to sell Jordy mercer because they're ready for kevin kevin newman's pretty much ready to come in and and play every day and they, they want to get a look at him especially when you get you have younger guys through the system like kevin kramer and cole tucker obviously coming up so it's time for kevin newman to get that opportunity yeah I don't know how much they will get for Mercer. Uh, Josh Harrison, yeah, he's an option. He's not hitting right now, though, so I'm not sure who would want him at that price yeah. tag. But sir, Francisco Cervelli going to have teams are going to be interested. You look at the numbers, the, he's better behind the plate. Uh, he can command a pitching staff. A team like the Mets, if they're still in contention at the trade deadline, they would absolutely be interested in him. And, and a, a, a good catcher at that price is very hard to find. And the Pirates obviously have it. Alias Diaz. They got Jacob Stallings. They got two catchers they could theoretically roll with if they choose to sell on Cervelli, when his stock might not be higher (laughs) for the rest of his time in Pittsburgh. Yeah,
0: that's definitely true. And what about Corey Dickerson? Same same kind of thing. I don't think.
1: I don't think so because it's not like they're going to want to play Austin Meadows every day, and they're not they're not ready to give up on Gregory Polanco. Dickerson has a club option for next year at a very reasonable price. I think that they might do what they did for, with McCutcheon last year. You pick up the club option, you put him on the market in the offseason, and there's going to be a market for a guy like that who's finally proven he can play the outfield. So I think the price tag for him won't won't dip, and there aren't a lot of teams that need that outfield. Outfield's a weird position, Adam. It's not one of those premium spots anymore that people want to, in a trade, especially a left fielder, left hand hitter like Dickerson, who's not hitting for a whole lot of power.
0: Lance Lysowski, appreciate the time, man. Although, uh, I am upset to hear that Jung Ho Gong is not fat.
1: <laughs> I knew you would be, Adam. Thanks for having me. Thank Talk you, buddy.
0: Him. Yes, sir. There he goes, Lance Lysowski, com. What the hell? What the hell? Are going to be eating all that Korean barbecue over there? Although, I guess, here's what happened. Here's what happened. I know what happened. I'll tell you right now what happened. He's eating a lot of Korean barbecue, but he quit the drink. So... The calories that he was putting on due to drinking, were coming in now via Korean barbecue and more of it. So he's kind of evened out.
2: Not to mention he's walking everywhere now. So because no one's going to let in the right mind's going to let him drive a car. So he's getting a lot of exercise, I'm sure.
0: Yeah, he said that he's going to have a chauffeur here in Pittsburgh. Is he? Yeah. Good. That's probably smart, that's, huh?
2: That's a good idea. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It, never good whenever your blood alcohol content is higher than your batting average, which was the case. I would imagine.
2: Well, now the Pirates are going to make the World Series. It's clear.
0: Yeah, he's going to save them, right?
2: Yeah. He's bringing them back, man.
0: There is this notion out there that, well, yeah, they're on a little bit of a slide, but let's see what happens when they get Jung Ho back, because two years ago, Jung Ho Gung was good. Okay, he was good. He wasn't great. Mm. He was never a good fielder. He was a good hitter, and even then, he wasn't a great hitter, and yeah, he's better than what they have right now, but does he pitch? Does he pitch? hanging going to... Step in and be the back end of the bullpen? Are you going to be the back end of the rotation? No.
2: He's essentially the equivalent of the hot chick in the ugly girl dorm. Yes. That's what he is. Yes. Looks good next to all of
0: them. Yes. Max Moroff or Jung Ho-Gung? Jung Ho-Gung. Yes. Sean Rodriguez or Jung Ho-Gung? Jung Ho-Gung. Much hotter. But Jung Ho-Gung compared to great third baseman from around the National League? So Ugly. Ugly. And he didn't even get fat. Four one two nine two 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 eight seven four. If you want to talk about gung. <laughs> if you do. I did what I do there. I threw the number out as a crutch to go to the next topic. Yep. I did. I'm it's calling right. myself on it.
2: It's all right though. If you want to talk gung, you can. Yeah. Four one two
0: nine two two
2: two eight seven four. I have
0: to get at least three of the numbers in there. <laughs>
2: yeah. go ahead, do it again, buddy. Yeah. four one two nine two
0: two two eight seven four Tweet me. At underscore Adam Crowley. Coming up next, kids, I'm going to teach you a lesson about being selfish and why it's good for you. It's Crowley Show. Kids, do what's best for you. But nobody's going to look out for you like you can Kyler Murray, the Oklahoma University quarterback, got drafted ninth overall by the Oakland Athletics. Would get paid $4.5 million if he chose to go that route, but according to reports, he's going to return to OU for another season of football. Patrick Mahomes, the Kansas City quarterback, is turning down endorsements until he, quote, proves that he can win. I respect both decisions. However, for Murray... He puts in just as much work at OU as he would put in in the minors. He just wouldn't get paid for it because the NCAA's whack. What if Pat Mahomes gets Joe Theismann and his career's over before it even starts? Here's a lesson for you today, snowflakes. Take care of yourself because nobody cares about you like you care about you. Tony Romo was a great quarterback in the NFL. Then he got hurt and was replaced immediately. Carson Palmer's career was never the same after Kimo von Olhofen. You never know. When that next endorsement will come knocking. And you never know when you're not going to be able to get anything out of your body anymore. Kyler Murray wants to play both football and baseball. He wants to win a national championship. That's great. But Major League Baseball has slotting dollars in the draft now. If Murray gets hurt, he won't be able to make that $4.5 in guaranteed money. Here are some rules for you kids. I got three of them. Three rules. Trust no one but yourself. Do what you want, but consider how it affects your future, and take the damn money and run! I'll do an endorsement for anything. I'm SJW Crowley, and yet I will sell out in a heartbeat. Because who knows how long I'll be making money. You want to hire me to write columns? I'm in. Podcast? Yep, because one day it'll all be gone. This is why I don't get angry when players skip out on bowl games. The university paid for your education, but now you've got the rest of your life that you need to pay for. So, it's time you do you. Kyler Murray doesn't want to let his team down. He's part of the football team's plans. Great. What about your family, man? As for Majamas... Sorry, that's Mahomes. Man, cash that money and run, dude. Always. I did that on purpose, Tom. Don't worry. Majamas. He's getting patted on the back, left and right, by my colleagues in the media. He's being lauded as unselfish, which is a great trait in a quarterback, they say. But selfish doesn't have to be negative. It's not selfish to appear in a TV commercial. It's not putting the cart before the horse. It's putting yourself and your family ahead of anything else. If he gets hurt or never makes it, the money will never be earned back. If Kyler Murray gets hurt and never makes it, the money will never be earned back. They'll have only themselves to blame. So remember, kids, trust no one but yourself. Do what you want, but consider the effect on your future. And take the damn money and run. What is it, Tom? Do you have this take because you actually care about Kyler Murray and you want him to have a successful life, you don't want him to get hurt, and you want to make him to make the millions of dollars he deserves, or do you just want him the hell out of Oklahoma so he doesn't run all over West Virginia this
2: year? Oh. <laughs> Good question, Tom.
0: I didn't know they were on the schedule. Yeah. I had no clue. Yeah. sure. I had no idea that they're oh, playing yeah. them on the day after Thanksgiving at 8 yeah. o'clock on ESPN yeah. at Milan Pushkar Stadium. No no idea. I didn't know that. So it's about the money and having a great life, then. Yeah, but there's oh. no, there's nothing there on Mahomes. Mahomes, I just want the guy to succeed. You're right. You're right. I just he, had to ask. Except he torched us at Texas Tech, that Mahomes. Yeah. Son of a bitch.
2: Yeah, kids. So look out for yourself. Take the money and run. Yes, take the money and run, kids. I made that up, too. Ever heard that one before? Take the money and run, that's all me. Wow, good job, dude. Yeah. That sounds like a phrase that has legs. could last. I think it does. Yeah. I coined it.
0: Wednesday, June 6, 2018. Nothing else important has happened on this date either, so I think I can keep it all safe for myself. It's the date that I came up with the phrase, take the money and run. I nailed it. It's time to go around the bags with the biggest D-bag on the Pittsburgh Airwaves, Adam Crowley. Kevin Durant gets to... First base. With the sloppy seconds of Stefan Kurt, I feel for Sean Rod. He's a symptom of the Pirates' follies, but he himself isn't the issue. Again, he played last night. He went 0-3, including another strikeout. He's won for his last 20. He's got 20 more strikeouts than he does hits. Those 36 strikeouts have come in just 99 at-bats. His batting average is 162. And then, of course, Rodriguez committed a throwing error on a pickoff attempt. It's his third in five games. He's getting paid $5.75 million. I feel bad for him. I do. He got in the car wreck. It ruined his shoulder. Now he can't field the ball. And he's getting booed walking up to home plate in front of the worst fans right now in all the damn baseball. And it's not his fault that he keeps getting trotted into the lineup. You want to boo anyone? Boo Clint Hurdle for putting that poor guy out there. Damn. Jung Ho Gong can't get to second base because women like men who have cars. And he doesn't have one. Max Scherzer completed an immaculate inning for, by my count, the 89th time in Major League history. Now, I counted them one by one. Could not find the number on the interwebs. Is this more impressive than a no-hitter? Because that's been done 299 times in Major League baseball history. Three batters, Nine strikes, three strikeouts. That's so freaking badass. So much so that the last two pirates to do it were Juan Nicasio and Ross Ollendorf. Alright, maybe they're not as badass as no hitters. You know. Donald Trump wants to get to third base. But is not okay with you being on your knees. Marte pinned shit, but didn't start the game. So it was Dickerson, Meadows, Polanco again. And Polanco was 0 for 4. This game was coming off an off day. Forget freaking playing a four-man outfield. Let your best three play. Dickerson, Marte, Meadows, period. <sighs> Clint's outsmarting himself. And it's driving me up a damn wall! To Going for home. Michael Jordan had to untape it from his leg.
2: What? That
0: was a stretch, man. I didn't do the phrasing correctly there. Try it again. When trying to
2: No, still wrong. When you're like, going for no, home. no,
0: when Michael Jordan was
2: going for home,
0: he had to untape his bleep from his leg. Very nice. Yeah, okay, much better much there. Better, yeah. I mean, it still wasn't a great joke, but.
2: No, but we get it. That would have sufficed. Thing, yeah, he had a big, big penis. And, yeah, going for home.
0: And he had to tape it to his leg and stick stuff it in his sock. Have to take it out yeah. because he's
2: going for home. Yeah, which is sex. <laughs>
0: Whenever you think of Adam Crowley and whether or not he's a funny guy, just remember the third base joke that I told. Let's hear it again. All right, let me go back. And just give me one second here. <laughs> Donald Trump wanted to get to third base, but he's not okay with you being on your knees. That's a good one. That is a good one. Proud of that one. The Pirates have won four of their last 17. This coming after I said that they should go on a 7-2 and two stretch. Isn't that wild? The Padres, the White Sox, the Reds—they were coming to town. If the Pirates had gone seven and two or six and three against those ass teams, then the Pirates would have been thirty and nineteen or twenty-nine and twenty. Hell, five and four would have put them at twenty-eight and twenty-one. But now they're at thirty wins with thirty losses, and the team is exactly where I thought that they would be when the season started—a mediocre team that's in the wild card race only because it's hard to not be in the wild card race. For those of you who are taking the victory lap. Where are you now? For those of you who said we were missing out on a good baseball team, where are you now? The Pirates are who we thought they were going to be. Mediocre. They are who we thought they were. And Tim Williams, you let him off the hook. 2 weeks ago I put up a Twitter poll, which team will finish with more wins by season's end, the Dodgers or the Pirates? Well, isn't it perfect that after game 1 of the series, both teams are 30 and 30? Wow. Hi. That'll do it for today's edition of Around the Bags, and man, do I love this crazy game we call baseball. i tell you, I don't know why any kid would want to play any other sport, especially that dumb football junk. Adam wins, Adam wins. Every day this week, we have been educating you about countries from throughout this great world, countries that have soccer teams playing in the upcoming World Cup. Why? Well, I'm trying to make you all smarter, obviously, but the United States soccer team did not qualify for the World Cup because they stink. They ain't going to be there. Nor is Ireland. Italy won't be there. So I got no blood in the game. I want to root for a team. I don't know which team to root for, and we're going to educate you, and you can vote on my Twitter poll at underscore Adam Crowley, which teams you want us to root for, and we'll boil it down to one eventual team that we will be cheering for. So far, we've got Uruguay and Portugal. Not bad.
2: That's nice, Tom.
0: That's not bad at all. That's good Portuguese you got there. Now it's time for France. What a cluttered mess the beginning of this damn national anthem is. How am I
2: supposed to root for these guys? Uh, I
0: can't root for them. In fact, stop it. I'm kidding. Don't stop it. France is the world's most popular tourist destination. Some 83.7 million visitors arrived in France, according to the World Tourism Organization, in 2014. The French army was the first to use camouflage in 1915. The word camouflage came from the French verb to
2: make up for the stage. That wasn't camouflage. That was them leaving the battlefield. You didn't see them because they left. They are a bunch of sissies.
0: That's better. Yeah. Show some
2: damn respect. Sorry. Respect! <laughs>
0: yeah, thank you for inventing camouflage now so that my white trash neighbor can wear it every day in his boxer shorts.
2: Yeah, and thanks for screwing up every NFL jersey ever. Oh great with point. the camo.
0: Great point. French's fault. In France <laughs> you can marry a dead person under French law. In exceptional cases, you can marry posthumously as long as you can also prove that the deceased had the intention of marrying while alive and you receive permission from the French president. I'm guessing that's not a sexual thing, but hey, I don't speak for everyone. A French woman was the world's oldest ever human. She lived to an incredible 122 years, 164 days, according to the Guinness Book of World Records. Her name was Jeanne Louise Calment. She was born... February 1875 and died on 4 August 1997.
2: That is one old woman. That's an old broad right there. Fortunately, under France's law of marrying dead people, you're all good. Oh, we can go back and tap that. Marry her up. Oh, that was a terrible... Why did I say (laughs) that? Why did you even... Why did I say that? Oh, my God. Just to save you here. By the way, BS. No way she was that old. She's still alive. No way. I bet you she's still kicking. Who would want to be that old? One
0: twenty. That's a good question. Should I put that on the Twitter poll? Would you want to live to be 122 years old? Not if
2: I'm French.
0: The French eat around 30,000 tons of snails a year. But it's also against the law to carry live snails on a high-speed train without their own tickets. This
2: question, can you take them on a low-speed train?
0: I'd imagine yes. Yeah? Yes. This website, frenchfacts.com, was very specific. (laughs)
2: This <laughs> is so a slow-moving slow train. Yeah. S-cargo, all right. It's so when you look at the train, look at that S-cargo. It's Boom. not
0: cargo. It's S-cargo. S-cargo. Boom. Huh? We missed you, Brian.
2: <laughs> missed you, too, man. Yeah, keep saying funny things so people can forget <laughs> yeah, okay. that I said that
0: I'd like to wake up an old woman from the death so that we can get it on. did, there you brought it right back Consensually, around. though, of course. Yeah. I just want to bang that point home. With the president's permission. Yes. Mm-hmm. No, I want her to be alive. Coming up next! It's not very French. Hockey talk. That's what it is.
2: <laughs> Wait a minute. We're not we're not going to root for France, right? In this World Cup?
0: They're getting pulverized in the poll right now.
2: Nobody can root for France.
0: They're getting pulverized Traders, in our Twitter poll.
2: Wusses. Remember that damn Vichy thing. Da Vinci? The Vichy thing. You know, a bunch of collaborators over there.
0: Up next! If the Caps win, the rivalry's better. Doesn't I have to like it, though. It's a Crowley show.